So when NLC, like the first few months we hired interns, you know, it was me and my RCOO and we had to do interviews. And I was like, wait, I've never done an interview before. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to say. What is proper HR thing to say? Um, what questions can I ask? So I started Googling. And that's when I realized, like, I wish we were taught that in at school. I wish we were taught, you know, this is the confidence you need to interview this person. Um, but it was just not an experience we had. And it wasn't something that maybe even the teachers considered to teach us. Um, because in the world, like, they want to prepare us for a job interview, but they never prepare us to be the interviewer. How do you navigate change? It's a question we think about often and one that today's world expects us to be comfortable with. The challenge, however, is where do you begin and how do you develop the mindset and skill set to be successful? Welcome everyone to the Sprint to Success with Design Thinking podcast. I'm your host, Saba Kidwai. Join me each week as I share the stories and strategies from the world's leading researchers and practitioners about why they believe the answer lies in practicing design thinking. I had always been taught how to interview, said Nancy, but no one ever taught me how to be the interviewer. This one sentence tells us everything we need to know about how the dynamic of today's world has shifted for today's learners. I first heard Nancy tell this story on Clubhouse and knew I had to interview her to learn more about her story. I've been spending a lot of time there recently, and I've been absolutely fascinated by the experiences that Gen Z are sharing about their education and just how they're making sense of the world today. I often hear adults say how we need to teach creativity and entrepreneurship to young people. But what I hear young people say is we are creative. We are entrepreneurial and we have ideas that we'd like to see become businesses. But we need the time, the space, the coaching to develop the mindset and skill set that we need to actually practice these. Given that most schools don't have these experiences, students are often left to figure it out themselves. Nancy is a student at Columbia University and she's the founder and CEO of End No Sleep, a nonprofit that's on a mission to help you get a good night's sleep reclaiming sleep as a necessity, not a luxury. Her empathy, her self-awareness, and her enthusiasm for why young people should use this time to pursue their dreams is both contagious and thoughtful. End No Sleep is run by a team of young, passionate entrepreneurs. So I begin by asking Nancy to tell us more about End No Sleep and her team. So yeah, my name is Nancy. I'm 21 years old. I'm a student at Columbia University, and I'm the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called End No Sleep Inc. We are a non-501c3. We're youth-led, and we're on a mission to help give rise to a well-rested society. And we do that by providing resources to vulnerable communities through education, awareness, and direct service. That is wonderful. So you said you're an organization with youth leaders. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like who works with you and how have you recruited these people? We are all volunteers. So we volunteer our time. And so when we first started, we were all um, in university. So um, the few of the founding team actually had to, you know, they had different commitments at the time. So it's so nice to have a team of just youth 
who are also in college or in high school working through this because so much changes with them. And we all are, you know, changing our work styles and the way we do things. And we recruit them through just, you know, social media has been huge. Um, Also LinkedIn, we've tried to utilize LinkedIn to work with them. So it's very fun to work with, you know, high school students and give them those like responsibilities. But one thing that I think is very important to me is every time we recruit any volunteers, like because it's unpaid and it's volunteer and it's for students, it's like, what do you want? Like what experience do you want to gain? And we talk about that first. um, And then we see how can you gain that experience through working with us? That way you're gaining valuable, you know, working skills that will help you in your future job or in your future career. Um, But you're also volunteering. So this is something that's fun. It's never it should never be something that, you know, feels like a task to people or something that feels like a burden. It should be a fun space to really give back to your community. What experience are you hoping to gain? I love how Nancy asked this question because it's one that we don't often ask ourselves enough or encourage other people to be asking. We're so wrapped up in designing a resume that looks the way we think it should or the way we're taught it should look, yet we don't often always find a spot for the things that matter to us most, such as how we want to make an impact or give back to our communities, a value that's often a non-negotiable for Gen Z when making decisions. When Nancy is looking for people to add to her team, she shares that social media is where she goes first. And because she's a young college student, you might be thinking Instagram, but she's thinking LinkedIn. I talk often about LinkedIn as being one of the most underutilized tools for students today. It's power as a place to showcase your creative skills and ideas, whether it's through your writing, through audio, or through any other medium, merged with the fact that just about everybody already has a LinkedIn profile, makes it the perfect place to connect with others and build your professional learning network. The platform is absolutely unmatched for those beginning to establish their authority and credibility online. I'll be hosting a webinar on how to use LinkedIn as a student, and you can find the link to this in the show notes. Or if you want to know more, send me a message or a DM. I asked Nancy to share some insights from her conversation with high school students who she's interviewing as they're trying to navigate their world of work. When it comes to high school students and working with them, a lot of times is like, you know, there's usually certain programs where they have to fit their skills to the program. So what's different about this is like, tell me your skills and then we will tailor a program to that. Um, so I think one thing with when it comes to high school, they also don't have a lot of time. So um, understanding and helping them time manage has been really huge. It's been a part of like my experience as, you know, a leader in this nonprofit organization. So it's been really fun to just be there in terms of support. You got this, like, we want you to thrive. And it just will be an honor for you to do that through us. So I think really having a program tailored to them is what shocks them and also what shocks us because we want to make sure uh, they they're feel comfortable and they're doing well. Nancy is spot on. When completing applications, we often browse the posting and use that language to tailor our experiences and how we check the boxes of what other people are looking for. 
Nancy advises young people to reverse engineer this process by first asking, what are you hoping to get out of the experience? What skills are you looking to learn? By doing this, you establish your own criteria. Your own values are identified, your goals are established, and you have a lens through which you can filter the opportunities that you're looking at so that you can best align those to what it is that you're looking for. In our LinkedIn course, we teach students how to not only identify their values and their goals, but to also identify people using LinkedIn that they can connect with, build relationships with, and share their creative skills and interests with. You don't always have to wait for a posting. If you're strategic about how you build relationships and how you showcase your work, you can often create the opportunities that may not always be listed on a job search site. The jobs of the future are being decided each and every day by young people as they identify challenges and opportunities and work to solve them. It's why today we encourage students to not box themselves into a career pathway, but rather to develop their self-awareness, have an understanding of their strengths and interests, and identify the challenges that you're curious about, the people you want to work with, and where you want to live in the world. As economists and researchers have shared time and time again, while the dynamics of today's world have the potential to create enormous prosperity, the challenge to societies, particularly businesses, governments, and education systems, is going to be able to create access to these opportunities that allow everyone to share in this prosperity. So while yes, the possibilities are endless, whether we all have the skill set and mindset to take advantage of these possibilities has yet to be determined or democratized to where everyone has access and exposure to what these are and how to do this. I asked Nancy to tell us more about her journey of self-discovery and self-awareness and how she came to be passionate about End No Sleep. Okay, so this came from a very personal experience and well, I was a student. So um, when I was a junior in high school, I faced a lot of medical problems. I was actually hospitalized for a semester, lost the ability to walk, but golly, like fortunately regained that back. But throughout that, you know, those few months, I actually suffered a lot from sleeping problems. Um, I wasn't sleep deprived at all. I was actually tired all the time. I would go to school after an eight, nine hours rest and really just fall asleep in class. Like I couldn't just stay up. I fell back in my life, just doing homework and all of that. So when I started bringing this topic up to, you know, professionals, doctors, you know, my teachers or my parents, everybody just brushed it off. Um, it seemed like sleep wasn't really taken seriously or it wasn't something to talk about or that was important. So I just started doing, you know, Googling and doing my own research, realizing like, what can I do? to make my sleep better. But while I was doing that, I realized that there is actually like, we're currently in a silent sleep epidemic. Socioeconomic status and sleep problems are directly correlated. And I had never thought of sleep as a luxury because I've always had a bed, I've always had a pillow. And I never thought that that was something that was so, you know, such a privilege. Um, so to really understand that and to see that people who need it most are suffering the most, was really what motivated me to say, okay, I, I want to do something about this. I want to bridge that gap. And then reading about it also, um, I love mentioning this stat because not only is bettering sleep, bettering health, but it will better economy, it'll better education. 
So the stat is like one thing I love is like the U.S. loses $411 billion every year due to sleep loss only. So really bringing those data and the science up and saying we need to work on this now was really what motivated me to just keep continuing with this topic. Curiosity often begins with someone asking why. However, as Nancy experienced, when we ask why or when we bring problems to the forefront, oftentimes they're brushed aside. It's moments like these where your ability to reflect, be self-aware, and your tenacity can be the difference that makes a difference. This is a really important skill in being able to identify gaps that exist within a system or within an organization that create opportunities for you to design solutions. This is where business ideas come from. If you have this challenge or you have this problem or you're asking why, you can be assured that others do as well. When I first heard Nancy on Clubhouse, I was so impressed by how she crafted a compelling story around her problem that she was trying to solve for through interweaving data. Listening to Nancy, she sounds like she's living the American dream. And at a time when many people wonder, is this still even something that's alive? I asked Nancy what her thoughts are. I look at like my journey now reflecting on it. I've gained so much. And I personal opinion, I don't think it's that. I think there's so much, you know, I am now back in the Middle East. I'm in Egypt. I think there's so much opportunity in the U.S. And like, it's so, you're, everyone is capable of getting it. Um, I think it just depends on the person. And of course, like we've talked about this in Clubhouse, like entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. And like everyone sees opportunities differently. But, you know, when I was 12, so I, I was born and raised in Aleppo, Syria. And when I was 12, um, the Syrian civil war began. And, you know, so many small things happened. Like my grandfather got taken for ransom. My dad lost, you know, his factory was taken over by the rebels. So he lost absolutely everything. Um, And so many small things led up to that. Like we would go on the rooftop and count like bombs exploding nearby. And now saying this sounds very odd, but at the time it was something that was such a norm to everyone. And then one day, like we got our green cards. So we went to LA for vacation and we ended up just staying there because the day before our flight, um, my grandma had called us and told us that there's no water, no electricity, like do not come back. And then and there, my dad just looked at us and made the decision that that's it. We're never going back. Um, and I hadn't been back until recently. So it was nine years of just ha- making that decision and just staying there. So when I came to the U.S., always checking my privilege was such a routine because I witnessed what my friends saw, like losing their loved ones, you know, losing their home, um, not being able to escape the war zone due to politics or immigration. So I was so thankful I had a place to go. I was so thankful, you know, I had both of my parents alive. I was so thankful that, you know, I spoke English, even though my mother didn't. Um, So, so many things I was grateful for, but that's when the sort of responsibility came upon me of, I always like want to do something for my community and always utilize the resources I have to give back to those who don't, because sometimes you're really stuck in that situation. and. I think that being in the U.S. and having those opportunities, like I volunteered with so many organizations and did so many things. But when I was in Syria, I never believed I could. I think I love talking about this because I, my dad, you know, he has a pajama factory and always had. So he was an entrepreneur, but entrepreneurship didn't exist in Syria, like in the Middle East. And he would always 
um, tell us like my sisters and I, okay, you have to be, you know, a doctor, you have to be this, or you have to be that because there was no way a woman could lead a factory. There was no way a woman could lead a business because that wasn't known. So coming into, you know, the U S and really being able to discover myself and say, I love leading a business or like, I love finding opportunities were things that I slowly realize and that I am capable as a woman to do, you know, anything and everything I want to. Um, so that was one of the biggest, you know, things I'm very grateful for, like moving because I discovered myself and I was able to pursue my dreams just because I was in a country where I had the ability to and opportunities existed for me. I agree with Nancy when she says that there's opportunity everywhere. The challenge, though, as I've shared before, is are we all prepared to identify it? And then do we have the skill set and mindset to actually execute on being able to do something about it? I often share the book Life is in the Transitions by Bruce Feiler, where he shares that the linear life is dead and that our ability to navigate change is both a skill set and mindset we can learn. It's one of the reasons I believe so deeply in exposing people to design thinking. Design thinking isn't just about finding and solving a problem. It's a mindset encompassing many of the terms you hear Nancy mention, such as creative confidence, learning from failure. These are key, she says, to her ability to build a life at the intersection of her passion and her purpose. In listening to Nancy's story, I'm also really reminded about how important it is to have a coach or a mentor help you navigate through these many adversities or these different transitions. I ask her, as someone who's immigrated to the United States from the Middle East, what do you wish more people knew? I love this because recently I went, when I went to Syria, um, that's when it, I really had this like aha moment. And, you know, I've always, the Middle East from what it's portrayed, like in the US, you know, I'm currently in Egypt and I get the question asked, like, do you have Wi-Fi? And to me, that's shocking because being in Egypt, it's so advanced. Like there's so much opportunity. There's so much people are willing to do. Like entrepreneurship is huge here, even though it's not talked about in the, on the mainstream media. So just about the region in general, I think there has so much potential. It's much more than people see on TV because I think the media itself like portrays all the negatives. They portray like all the small cities that aren't really, you know, advanced. Um, but then you go into the Middle East and you see, you know, the next gen who is, you know, so educated and really wanting and fighting for a future they're trying to build because sometimes like in Syria, future right now doesn't exist, right? Like what is your future there? Like, and then when I went and spoke to girls and like boys my age or even older, younger, it's there's, they want it. They have the abilities to pursue it, but, you know, because of political reasons, they're currently have like a bunch of obstacles. But I think in general, like the Middle East is a vast region of so much potential. And I, I always think about like, what can I do to really, again, like bridge that gap? Because I see an opportunity here, especially for young girls, for young women, like being in classrooms, like you're able to build whatever you want and there's an opportunity for you to do so. So how can we, how can I like invest in something or invest in people for them to be able to continue pursuing their dreams? But in just general, in the Middle East, like there's 
it's not what you see in on the media. It's so much more than that. It's beautiful too. It has so much culture, history, um, and yes, yeah, so much potential. And by potential, I mean like the way people see, you know, the American dream. Like it, it's kind of similar here. Um, and I know people might disagree with this, but really having been to different countries in the Middle East, this is something that I'm really picking up upon. Hearing how different countries are adapting education for today's learners is fascinating. It's one of the reasons I pursued my global executive doctorate of education from USC, where we actually got to travel to places like Finland and Hong Kong and Doha to learn how other people are rethinking education for today's learners. A lot of times what we found is that places that don't always rank high on the traditional scorecards, such as PISA, other ones that are creating some of the most progressive experiences for young people. I'm fascinated by how Nancy has embraced a traditional college pathway while also being a creative entrepreneur. Having had these two experiences, I asked her to share her thoughts about the value of college, a debate taking place across the country and in people's homes. To be full, full transparency, I'm still conflicted on it. And it's something I talk about with my parents. I, after high school, took two gap years. The first year was a medical gap year to really make up upon like the whole semester I had missed for my hospital, et cetera. And I've always wanted, like my dream school was to go to Harvard. Like that was my dream ever since I was a child. And I really wanted to be the candidate that fit perfectly. And I knew with like my background and my situation, it wasn't the right time for me. So I took a gap here. And then what I did was that like, I wanted to gain nonprofit experience. So I worked and I had never been so proud of myself. And like, I've never had like that self-discovery journey at school at all, um, really being able to work and find what I truly am passionate about. And um, then starting and no sleep, like I got adulthood 101 prior to starting college. And I recommend gap years for anybody because a lot of times it's like I, the way it's colleges, like you go after high school and then you discover what you want to do. And then maybe your major has nothing to do with what you're, you know, you actually want to pursue. So gap year will really allow you to get that work experience and see like, is this something I want to do? And then surprisingly enough, when I started my journey with Columbia, I ended up taking a semester off <laughs> this semester because I value education so much. I have, you know, this, again, great privilege of being able to get an education from universities such as Columbia. And I love what I'm studying human rights, but I always struggle with, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I don't want to fail college. How do I balance it? And this is still something I'm trying to discover. Like, what is it worth? I want to do ex, like these projects, but am I able to continue with them when I'm really at school and I'm a full-time student? So it's something I struggle with, but I know a lot of college students struggle with too. So that's my full and transparent answer. I talk about this with my parents all the time because they're very much like school, school, school. And I'm like, I want to do both. 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually really interesting because it seems like you have been able to do both. And one of the things that really strikes me is your confidence in being able to say, I'm going to take a gap year or I'm going to take a semester off because I think even that decision is so difficult for so many. Can you tell us a little bit about, okay, so you said your first gap year was a medical year, but then you said you took a second one. Tell me a little bit about what gives you the confidence to want to have taken a gap year or to say, hey, I'm going to take a semester off to do something. And then how do you go about structuring your time and um, thinking about what you're going to do? I think the confidence comes with like, having set goals, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, right? Like I don't have this career path for me, but I know what I want to do right now. And to me, that seems so available to me to pursue it. Um, so what happens is like when I wanted to do the gap year, I knew exactly what I wanted to do to get to where I wanted to in the short term. So I didn't plan for taking two years, but then mid first year, I was like, okay, I'm not ready to fully, you know, launch and no safe. There's still so much work to be done. I'm still getting so much experience. I'm like, okay, I need another year. And the thing is like, I know this is hard, especially with my parents. I just asked them to trust me. I've talked about this before, but my school principal had a loan interview with me. And then also an interview, my parents, like, please don't let her take the gap year. Um, and so many people did that, you know, the funny stat is like, I was the first person in the 45 years that my school was open to ever take a gap year. And like, I remember very clearly in one of my classes, like a teacher mentioned that, that I had failed somehow because I didn't continue to any college at all, not even community college. So it's like, for me, none of those strike me because I knew, like I had a plan of this is where I want to get to. Um, but that also comes from like doing the research, of course, and really having that mindset that I'm young, I'm like pretty young. And if I fail, I fail. Like, I just want to learn. It's okay for me to fail. Um, but also having a good support system, because if I didn't have that good support system, I wouldn't be able to be confident. And it's hard also financially. So I understand that. Um, but for me, it was like really being on hustle mode and having, you know, a family who's supportive of me and um, just risking it and just saying like, I just want to do it. I, I, I know this is what my calling is. I'm just going to go for it. I really appreciate and I'm impressed by the authenticity through which Nancy shares her story. Her transparency provides us insight into just how self-aware she is and how intentional she is about the decisions that she's making. It's one of the hardest things for young people to do often. When you grow up being given directions that you have to follow, it can become challenging to design and pitch something that's new or has never been done before, especially if your parents want you to pursue a more traditional pathway. I asked Nancy to share some advice on three things young people should consider if they want to take a gap year or whatever it is they want to design as a more unique post-secondary pathway. So I would say for me, number one thing was like planning what kind of side hustle or thing I wanted to pursue. Like what was my goal for the gap year? I think number one is like writing your goals. What do you want to achieve? Um, one of the things on my gap year was also boxing. I really just wanted to do boxing. Like it doesn't have to be formal, but it could be things that you want to discover within yourself. So one of the things is like list your goals of things you want for yourself. And number two is like, how will you achieve those goals? So that goes into planning, but also finding like, for me, I found a job, like a nine to five job. And then I also did the side hustle. 
I wanted to gain that experience of like being formally employed and really just going through that and seeing maybe it's something I want to do. And then networking with people, um, I ended up working for like a chiropractor and that went hand on hand with sleep and learned so much from them. So I planned like what my side hustle was going to be. Also, like looking at programs, look at the programs that are, there's so many like programs out there for um, gap years. A lot of people travel. Um, so if traveling is one thing right now is not the right time. But if, you know, traveling is that one thing you want to do, then plan your gap year according to that. I think things to consider is like self goals. Like, what do you want to gain? What work do you want to accomplish? And then um, also like, why are you taking it? A lot of times, I think the main question is like, people lose motivation to go back to school. I think my gap year added my motivation to go back to school. So really realizing like three things, how, what's my goals and like, why am I taking it? Because if your answer is like, I don't want to be in school. um, Yes, but what can you do to really make the best out of your time? Because it could just be boring as well. Like if you're, it's not well thought out or planned out, um, you could be stuck in that loop. So I think it's important to really measure your goals for that year. And maybe it could turn into two, three, and maybe your side hustle like ends up being this huge project you're working on. Um, but just genuinely making a good plan and sticking to it. Nancy's three pieces of advice. Number one, set a goal. I love how here she highlights the importance of not just setting a professional goal, but personal goals as well. In her case, boxing. Number two, identifying how you're going to achieve these goals. She says to consider what experiences you're looking for and how they might complement one another, such as her experience at the chiropractor. And last but not least, how will you assess your growth? Again, both in your personal and professional contexts. It's in this reflection and through these experiences that you develop emotional intelligence. Nancy highlights the importance of establishing your why. It's something we talk about often on the podcast, and the last two guests specifically shared how people often do this too late in life and advocated for this being a part of the high school and college experience. I'm fascinated by how Nancy was able to do this independently in such a young age, and so I ask her how she likes to learn and where she learns. I love learning. So, like, one thing I love to do is like reading books and like reading books about topics that I like um that's been really helpful for me but I think learning comes for me like comes a lot with from experiences you know I've learned so much through like I still feel every single day through the nonprofit and it's something that I'm always learning or like I feel like just working has given me so much experience and knowledge Um, And then, of course, like books or even self-education, like I think there is a social justice class that I just Googled online to take. And even though I never followed through with it completely, but just to understand or like Googling things um, on topics that I'm curious about. So I think like the learning journey just has never ended. Like I still learn on day to day, but it just sometimes it's not in a school setting. Listening to Nancy, I'm reminded of Gary Vee and how he passionately advocates for young people to take advantage of being in high school and college as a time to take risks, try new experiences, and experiment with different ideas. 
I ask Nancy, looking back now as a founder and a college student, what experiences does she wish she had had in high school that she feels would have better prepared her? I definitely think more um, leadership classes or ways to problem solve. I think that would have been very, very beneficial. So going back to it, like my sister is now in a school here in Egypt and she is in eighth grade and she has this entrepreneurship class and she's learning how to like do the elevator pitch, write a business plan. And I was like, can I take it with you? Because I'm still learning. And she's only in eighth grade. And that never existed to the school I went to. It never existed for me to come up with a plan to pursue what I want. It's very much existed like, This is what to do to be part of the corporate world, to get your education and to continue working for someone else. So I think I've really gained so much valuable experience from having a leadership class. I mean, they're all called leadership classes, but some that really instills that leadership in you and also really being able to networking. You know, we, they don't talk about networking enough in school or like bring people to network with like we have networking for you know job fairs like so but what about people who are interested in different fields like meeting other people and you get that through doing extracurricular activities or meeting people through different organizations but I think a school could really leverage a program such as like having that connection or like how to build your LinkedIn profile like how to build your online presence not don't post this don't post this but really teaching you this is what you could do to build a good LinkedIn profile, because you're never too young to start with your LinkedIn profile. You can, you know, meet, network with people, find jobs. You know, you're still in high school, so you might want to work for free um, and gain that experience. So definitely really building and instilling that leadership aspect in a way that you're capable of anything and everything you want to do. This story is like, I realized that after I was doing the interview. So when I first started my senior year in high school, I had like this whole leadership class, entrepreneurship class, and I had to um, be interviewed. So I knew so well what to say, how to answer, um, how to write the follow-up, what should I do? Like, did I fail? Did I make it? Would I have gotten the job? Never once was I taught like, how am I the other person? Like, what is right or what is wrong for me to do? Even through like HR, that, you know, I could interview someone else. Like, what are the questions to ask? So when NO Sleep, like the first few months we hired interns, you know, it was me and my RCOO and we had to do interviews. And I was like, wait, I've never done an interview before. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to say. What is proper HR thing to say? Um, what questions can I ask? I started Googling. And that's when I realized, like, I wish we were taught that at school. I wish we were taught you know, this is the confidence you need to interview this person. But it was just not an experience we had. And it wasn't something that maybe even the teachers considered to teach us. Um, Because in the world, like they want to prepare us for a job interview, but they never prepare us to be the interviewer. Um, So that was very shocking to me, because I had like this mini panic mode, like, wait, I've never done this before. I know how she or he should answer me, um, but I don't know what the proper things are to say. So that took really a lot of time on me and my team to make sure that we're following proper HR guidelines and we know how to conduct right interviews. 
problem solving, problem finding, and leadership. These are responses that are echoed by Gen Z when asked what they would like more of during their high school experience. It's after listening to students like Nancy that Michael Cohen and I decided to create an experience for young people, teaching these exact skills and mindsets that Nancy wished she had had more of. You can find a link to this in the show notes. And like I mentioned before, if you want to learn more, go ahead and send me a DM. I close by asking Nancy what message she has for education leaders and students as we close in on a year of learning during the pandemic and planning for a more hopeful upcoming year. For education leaders that everyone learns differently and everyone has such different passions and is to really support your students in a way where not you think they should be supported, but they need to be supported. I think that has been huge because, you know, especially right now during this pandemic, you know, with mental health problems too, when children who are just at home and can't go to school. So really focusing on the aspect of what do my students need to succeed and also just being their support system. Like we spent eight hours a day in school with our teachers, maybe most times more than our families. So it's really honing into the, not the way I think they should be supported, but asking them questions like, what do you guys need in order to succeed, um, especially during these times? That was beautiful. And if you had a message for students, what would that be? Oh, right now is the perfect time to follow your dreams and opportunities. I think COVID, you know, being at home, I've shared this so much. I shared this with my younger sister, pursue your dreams. I think failure is a common obstacle, but you won't really fail. You'll just learn and it will get you closer to what you might want to do next. So really take this time to discover yourself and just take risks and chances and do like your wildest dream. Um, just start pursuing it now. It's, it's, I think it's a perfect time staying at home and, you know, not being able to go out or anything really honing in on self-discovery and following what you want to do, always to do. So what are the risks? Like, just go for it. It's your turn to join the conversation by sharing what you enjoyed or what questions you still have. In a world where time and attention are so valuable, thank you for choosing to listen and for being a part of our Sprint to Success with Design Thinking community. 